What is up, everybody? Hey, uh, my name is Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. Um, Ian is hopefully coming along. We'll we'll see. This is live, so we can't always predict what's going to happen. So uh, we just got to roll with it because I'd like to keep a schedule of always having the show on at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So here we are. Uh, the show is live. So, like I said, it's unpredictable what's going to happen. So, hopefully, he comes on. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye out for him. So, we'll we'll just go on from there. So, um, you know, I'm wearing wear green Wednesday uh, for USF. Uh, tough loss last week. Uh, it's been quite embarrassing the last couple of weeks. Uh, the offense is struggling. Uh, the defense is just non-existent. But, you know, I'm trying to break out my old school shirt. This is from like 07, um, which brought a lot of luck during that era. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe you can bring out some new luck for this new team, this new uh, uh, tenure for Alex Golish. We'll see. I mean, who knows? I mean, I do wear this for working out, but I don't wear it too much. It's definitely a shirt I just have been hanging on to for years. Um, actually, a friend of mine that passed away um, put a hole into it. And so I always kind of think of him whenever I wear this shirt because um, he's been gone a while. So it's always nice to like think of him. But uh, um, no, so um, the normal show we do is a, uh, a, a preview on Wednesdays and a recap on Sundays. Today's Wednesday, Wednesday so we're going to do the preview show. Um First couple of games we've got, we've got the big one, and I'm actually going to this game, uh, is Utah-USC. Um, I I don't know. It seems like Cam Rising is not going to play. I, I mean, I've been back and forth all year with this because it's been – I mean, it really started with the Gator game, obviously the first game of the year. But, you know, this cat-and-mouse game that Winningham has been playing with everybody – with the media not telling them exactly what is going on, not being really uh, open about how close he is, just playing like, oh, you know, he's close. He might be there. He may not be. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, this is week eight. He hasn't played a single snap. Um, it seems like he's practicing. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, from what I've heard, because, they showed even stuff in the preseason that he was throwing balls to receivers. So it's not like he hasn't been there. I guess they're just more concerned about his mobility more than anything, which, you know, coming back from an ACL, you're definitely going to be uh, very concerned about that. Um, but, um, ah, speak of the devil, here's Ian. Hello. Hey. We're One time already, no see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're already in progress. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I was talking about the USC Utah game, um, but uh, I was just talking about Cam Rising and whether he's going to be there. At this point, it just seems like he's not going to be there, and just you know to proceed without him. I will say that this defense is definitely one of the best defenses in the country, and um, they have kept them in every game. And that's why they're six, six and one. Yeah, they're six and one because I don't think they've taken a bye yet. Um, but you know, they they are putrid on offense though without Cam Rising. So 
Um, if they're going to ever be able to actually get over the hump and, you know, these next couple of games that they have, this one being the USC game, and then going forward with a bunch of other big games, they're going to need Cam Rising. So I don't know. I mean, I, I've been looking at reports. I've been looking at reports ever since the season to see if he's ever going to play. And it seems like it's the exact same report every single time. Like literally it's like the same one. They just copy and pasted and put a different date on the top of the byline and that's it. So I don't know. Ian, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I agree. The whole Cam Rising situation, it's at the point where it's becoming kind of a loss. I wouldn't say because with one loss, but if he's not ready now, he's not going to be ready for the rest of the year. We are well past the midway point now. And this is, you know, October is like your make or break for the season. Um, And now with Utah playing the biggest game of their season against USC so far, um, this is a must win. And I, the thing with the, um, injury to the leg. Yes, the mobility will be limited, but how much of that will change um, on the passing game? Now, we, we both agree Utah's offense has been very, very, you know, one-dimensional, um, especially for the um, passing attack. I believe they are ranked near the bottom in total passing offense. Yeah. So that's the trade-off is like you will trade off, you know, the mobile quarterback for maybe a good passing offense. Yeah. But we have seen this year that USC struggles against these deep against these offenses that can air it out. So I would say if there's ever a time to come back, now's the time. I'll take a sitting duck if he can launch it 30 yards and nail a guy on the run. Um yeah. for me though, in this game, um it's gonna it really is gonna come down to like which side is like not gonna let their team down the most. Uh because the Achilles heel for USC. That was the defense. That was clearly seen, you know, last week. Utah, it's the offense. Somebody's got to break through. So have you made your prediction yet? Not yet. Go ahead. I have some other thoughts that I want to bring up too, but just go ahead with your prediction. I would say between this this one, I think USC gets it, you know, bounces back after like such a demoralizing loss. Yeah. I think they, they get the win. Utah and Notre Dame, ironically, though, I think defensively they are pretty even. But I th- see USC breaking through, and I just don't see Utah's offense scoring as many points. I'll go with a 30-17 win for the Trojans. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that game last week for uh, USC, the Notre Dame game, was a lot of it was mistakes by Caleb that put – uh, Notre Dame in position to score easily. So I know the the defense has been much much maligned all year, and they've taken a lot of uh, grief for most of the problems. But I don't think last week was the defense's fault. I really think it was Caleb's fault because, you know, they couldn't put a lot of drives together. They had some momentum near the end of that game where it looked like there's a possibility of turning it around. But then even even on special teams, they let up that big uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. So it was like mm-hmm. even when they were trying, they had like mistakes from everyone else. So I don't know. I I don't think the defense is going to need to have a great performance in this game to win. You know, really, Utah's offense outside of Cam Rising being there, if he's not going to be there, is very bad. And – you know, if they can really all they have to do, if 
if I were USC, I would pretty much put eight guys in the box, seven, eight guys in the box every time and dare them to pass it. And mm-hmm. that's that's really all they have to do. And I I think the real key is the uh, USC offense against that Utah defense, which I think Utah is going to be able to keep them in the game because of that. I think it might be a little bit of a, like a 28 28- 19 games, something like that, where it's, you know, Utah still gets a point, maybe gets like a pick six because they've done that relatively uh, consistently over these last couple of games. They did it to UCLA. They did it to Cal. Um, Maybe they can do it in this game and, you know, give themselves some breathing room. But I still think USC's uh, offense is really good, and I think they really can bounce back from last week. And that's what I tried to say – in the the recap from last week was like much like Florida and the Kentucky game. You just have to throw these games out. And much like USF with uh, the FAU game, you just have to throw them out. That's really all you can do. You cannot like dwell on the fact that you got blown out. Yeah, it happened, but you know, what's not going to happen. You're not going to let that dictate what happens next week, because if you do, then you're just going to be in your head and you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to be able to perform as well as you might. So if they can throw that game out, move on from that, I think they can perform well. And you know what? A lot of credit to this Utah team because without their starting quarterback, they have, I don't think anyone would have thought they would have beaten Florida, that they would have beaten um, all the teams that they have, UCLA, I mean, they've done very well considering their limitations without Keithy as well. I mean, it it is remarkable. And they, Whittingham deserves a lot of credit. And if he goes like nine and three without rising all year, then he deserves coach of the year status because that's just remarkable performance that he got out of his team considering the limitations. Okay, moving on. Uh, I don't know. Did I text you the games? Do you have the list? Yes, you did. Okay, okay, good. I, I couldn't remember if I did. Um, the next game I got is the USF-UConn game. I, I mean, UConn is terrible, so USF should win this easily. You know, like I said. Emphasis on should. Yes, I know, Ian, but it's it, – <laughs> I don't know. At the, at the same time, it's like, you know, we have to, like, put it all in perspective. Like, uh, USF has won – four games in the three previous years total four, and they're almost about to match that in one single year. So, you know, I I saw a lot of fans that are really upset about what's happened the last two weeks. I mean, it's a work in progress. Like literally, you know, it's been terrible the last, like not even just those three years, but then you go back into Charlie Strong's tenure, the last two years of his tenure were bad. And so it's been like five years of straight mediocrity. And it's like, you can't just flip the switch and be like, oh, everything's fine now. Um, You know, I know a lot of people point to like the UCF turnaround uh, like 10 years ago where it was like they went 0-12 and and then they went like, I think it was 7-5 and or 8-4 and the next year. Um, Well, the reason why was because the year, the couple years before that, they went to the freaking uh, Fiesta Bowl with Blake Bortles. It wasn't like they were that far off. They just had a bad year the next 
like in subsequent years. So it's not like they were that far removed from the talent that was there. I don't know. It's been a real struggle the last several years for USF. And I know you as a student have, have felt the brunt of it because you're there every day and, you know, feeling that uh, losing mentality is tough to overcome. It really is. And I don't know. I, I just have a good feeling with Alex Golish. I've been really happy with him. He seems like he's uh, really uh, confident in his, in his ability to get this team to get better. And so, you know, I'm going to ride that out. I'm not going to give up, especially after six, seven games. Like, come on, man, this is way too early. Like if this was year three, maybe I would be a little suspect of what was going on. But right now, three and four with a chance to beat UConn to go four and four. And then with a chance, because they have uh, Temple and um, another bad team, I can't remember. But they have a chance to win six games. And if they go to a bowl game, that's a huge win for this year. That's a massive – I know we talked about it in the season preview about, you know, just – getting to you know a few wins and then the chance of a bowl game would be massive and it could be um but what are your thoughts Ian? i'm i'm i'll give my uh prediction after you uh give your thoughts yeah for me in this game it's um it, again it's one of those games that yourself should win i feel like it's no secret the defense has been well behind the offense here and that really killed them especially against florida atlantic you can say whatever you want about uh, how the offense did, but FAU was on that field for 36 minutes total. There wasn't enough time. And as fast as USF goes, they need a rhythm and they never got into a rhythm because they were never on the field enough. So again, I agree. It's the team is still a work in progress. There's, you know, clearly not like the peak, you know, talent level here, but they've definitely done a lot with a little this game though, UConn, it's again, another sneaky game. This is a game they should win. But yeah. UConn has played tough with these teams. They've they've lost two of their losses have come uh, by one score, and one of them was by one point. One of them was against FIU, and the other was Utah State. Now those teams, FIU US is a bit inferior to USF. Utah State maybe a bit above. So the big thing is is going to be this, and I did the homework on this. USF's defense is ranked 123rd in the oh. nation. Again, UConn's offense is ranked 113. That <laughs> is going to tell you who's going to win this game. It's going to come down to that. Which one of those sides is going to break through? Yeah. It's either going to be UConn bust through this very soft defense or USF is able to, you know, force some turnovers. I think that's going to be the big thing. If USF can force turnovers, they'll win the game. Because I'm not, I'm not afraid of the offense. Yeah, they didn't play good last week, but nobody did last week. Yeah. So I feel like the offense, when they have the ball and they're in rhythm, they'll put the points up. It's just a matter of staying on the field and, you know, just being up there as much as possible. Don't like let UConn keep the, you know, chewing the clock because that's exactly what they want is to keep that ball away from USF's best weapon. And that's Byron Brown in the offense. So yeah. I would, I'd say that's what it's going to come down to is pretty much that battle. USF's defense versus UConn's offense However, that you know dictates um, who's playing well that day. That's going to decide the game. Yeah, and you know, I know the offense has been 
as much as it was a bad game last week, I don't think it's going to be something that uh, carries over to this week. You know, I've been really high on Byron Brown all year. He's performed really well. Um, you know, I can see him having a really good game because of this team. Uh, UConn is not that strong of a team and that they should be able to score points. Um, I think what uh, I I've noticed of the defense all year, especially in these losses, is one missed tackles, but really it's bad angles. And like mm-hmm. being out of position to make tackles because it's like they're not even really in position to like make a difference. They're like making bad angles and not even there. Unlike, I don't know, if that whole game against FAU, they were wide open like the entire time. I mean, there has to be their yard, their yak, their yard after catch have to like had to been through the roof because like anytime the receiver caught it, they gained like an extra like 20 yards after the catch. And it was just like, man, can we get somebody on a receiver? I don't get I don't know. Like if if your defense is doing as bad as it is, why not just do a cover zero? And just be like, you know what? I'm going to bring all the pressure. And if he can get to it, then he gets it. But at this point, doing what they're doing, like it's not stopping anything. Like whatever they're doing has been the bad, like bad coverage every single time. So it's like, okay, if you're not going to be able to cover, let's might as well just put pressure on the quarterback to make him make a mistake and then see if we can actually like, you know, get third down stops get off the field, and then potentially, like you said, get turnovers to maybe make a difference so that the offense can get more chances. And, you know, with the offense – oh, Jesus, like my fucking <laughs> – my uh, cords in the back just fell over. Right? Nothing, like, fell out, thank goodness. But, uh, no, um, but no, uh, live TV, again, live. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, um, for the offense – it seemed like they weren't able to sustain drives, which is another thing, like why the time of possession was as high as it was for FAU. Like USF's got to stay on the field. I know they are a quick strike offense, but they weren't even getting first downs. Like they only had 14 points total. Like that's not enough. You know, I know obviously you want to score more points, but really it's, you know, moving the ball and they weren't doing that consistently enough to be able to, uh, make a difference in the game. And that was, you know, what a terrible game. I want to move on because what's your prediction? And then we'll move on to the next game. I'm going to go 34-23 USF. Okay. And I'm I'm along the same lines. I'm thinking somewhere around like 35 to like maybe 20, something like that, because I just feel like they're going to be able to score. And I don't think this, this UConn team is good enough to really put a scare into them. So, Okay, uh, next game, we got UCLA, Stanford. Now, first glance, people would be like, you know, if they don't remember last Friday, oh, Stanford, this team is kind of terrible. You know, they've been blown out quite a bit. But after what happened on Friday night against Colorado, things have changed. Maybe. I don't really love uh, Colorado's defense. So I would Colorado has the least or second to last uh, doing the homework has the second to last uh, defense in the nation. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. It's like their defense 
has been terrible. They don't have like a big enough D line to really make uh, a difference as far as pressuring up front and then really being a good run stopper. Um, I had heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true uh, that uh, Stanford ran the same play over and over again. And that was just keep kept beating him, beating him. And you know, it, it's funny. It happens a lot to Florida. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've taught, we've seen that before where, you know, the counter play gets used to endless results, endless good results. And, you know, it, it is something that if you're an offensive coordinator and you're seeing something work, it's like, well, until you stop me, yeah, until you stop me, I'm not going to stop doing this. And, uh, you know, I don't know that there is talent on this Colorado team, but they're not enough to really make a difference. So uh, the wide receiver for Stanford, I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name offhand? It uh, was it uh, Philkins? Oh no, no, no. Um, a a more something like that. Yes, yeah, it's that because he he had like two hundred ninety four yards and like twelve catches and just went off and like had a great day. Um. And they win, and you know, like I just don't think this Colorado team is like something to write home about. But it is a solid win for Stanford, considering they've been struggling all year and had a hard time to really um, uh, capitalize on any of these games that they've been playing. And so, I'll say, you know, even though UCLA had a struggle last week, where they they came into a buzzsaw of Corvallis against Oregon State. Like, I'm telling you that, you know, if there's a place that has a home field advantage better than Corvallis, there's very few because it's loud there and people usually go to that stadium and lose. That's just what happens the last couple of years. And it's honestly been almost like USC has lost countless times up there to Oregon State. And it just happens because it's loud. It's not a big stadium. It's still like 50, 60,000 seat, but it's just, I don't know what it is. Just people go up there and uh, poop the bed and don't have a good game plan or just, I don't know what they do. They just cannot beat them for whatever reason. So again, UCLA struggled in that game. Dante Moore didn't look great. Um, I thought that the defense played all right, but Oregon State made more plays and, uh, you know, coming into this game, I think UCLA should win this game. I think UCLA, if they run the ball well, get Dante Moore to eliminate mistakes, that means no interceptions. I know it's going to be hard to ask because he's been pretty much a turnover machine last couple of weeks. but Too much of hero ball. Yeah, it has been. And it, but it's also been – even in that Utah game, the first play of the game, he threw it right to that linebacker. And it's like, man, if you had just not done that, you might have actually had a chance to win this game. And that's that's how close some of these margins are in these games. I think they should win this game. It's in uh, Palo Alto. Um, Stanford might be uh, uh, pumped for this game. But, again, the Stanford crowd is very laissez-faire. And it, unless they're, like, really good – they don't really have that many people uh, that attend the games. So they've been doing bad last couple of years. So I don't think there's going to be that many people. So that may not be a factor. And UCLA 
might be able to get through this one relatively easy. I'm going to say UCLA wins probably like 28 to 17. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, this one, as much as, you know, we were in a hoopla about, you know, Colorado blowing a 29-point lead or Stanford coming back and, you know, catching up and then, you know, stealing the game away when they were down and beat. Let's not forget that they were down 29 to nothing at the half. That The reason that's a big deal is because that doesn't happen and that shouldn't happen. So with that being said, I, I think people are overlooking that. Like, oh, you know, great, you know, win for Stanford. But I'm like, great half for Stanford. They played like yeah. garbage in the first half. So yeah. as much as that was an astounding win, don't look to repeat it. And I just don't see Stanford with, you know, again, it's just a talent level thing. You know, Stanford is able to jump on a very weak defense and a team that was reeling. UCLA with, you know, Chip Kelly, that team's settled in. They found a way to win these games. I think Stanford maybe put up a fight early, but I just don't see the Bruins losing it. So I'm going to go that running away. I'll go 31 to 13. Nice. Okay. Moving on to teams that we don't cover, but we still cover all of college football. Um, Penn State, Ohio State, a noon kickoff. I I mean, I don't know. This is, what, <laughs> this is what Fox loves to do. They love to put this game early. I, you know, it's 9 a.m. for people on the West Coast. So, like, you're, like, basically cutting out, like, I don't know, a quarter of people that, if they are not regular fans of these teams or just like kind of casual college football watchers, you would lose a large portion of these people. And it's like, I don't know. They want, they want to, you know, have this time slot and make the most of it. And I get that because it, it hasn't in like the history of college football, bless you, haven't been Thank you. a big uh, like star-studded time slot, and they're trying to make that a thing. I just don't know. I mean, this game should be at night. Like, this should be the 7.30 game, yeah. 8 o'clock game time. on ABC or ESPN or even Fox. But just has to be – this game has to be primetime. I don't – I don't know. I remember I heard the argument, and not this year, because uh, when it gets to playoff baseball, they will maybe move it. But I've always said, like, well, if it's an East Coast game, then put the game at two or three then. At least make it, like, try. Yeah. Because, I mean, most games don't – and I'm speaking as a diehard baseball fan. I would much rather watch that than, you know, game three, depending on the who's playing. Yeah. But I, regardless, uh, besides the politicking of times, um, <laughs> the um, – so, yeah, this game, these teams are actually – more even than, than they would probably want to admit. Um, Penn State has the number one defense in the entire country. Yeah. Um, just top to bottom. They have only allowed, uh, I believe it was a couple uh, like total touchdowns. Um, and they only allow like three yards per game uh, per play, which is really impressive. For Ohio State, it's really a matter of just gelling. It's a matter of, like, you know, taking advantage of the situation. Um, the thing is, is when they play these tough defenses, the toughest defense they played all year so far has been Notre Dame, yeah. and that, they will tell you that was not the prettiest game. So I think with this one, 
man, it's really tough. It, I <laughs> see. I, even I don't know. Well, How about I, you go I will, I will say this: that Ohio State has had a very big test in that Notre Dame game, and they won. It was in South Bend, so they definitely have been tested. But this Penn State team, the only game they've really played uh, since the start of the season was that Iowa game. I mean, Iowa has one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. So, like, literally, how do you judge it? And I know the ranking is number one, but then you have to take into account the offenses that they played. And I looked back at the record of the teams that they played, and I believe it was uh, between the six teams they've played already is 500. So they definitely haven't played like a complete, like terrible waste of teams, but most of the teams they've played have been kind of bad regardless, because it's more than likely that the record that those teams had that it's 500 now is because that they have played worse teams to get those early easy victories against non-cons that are like FCS teams. And that's the only reason they are at 500. So it's it's tough to, to really gauge what this Penn State team is like. And I have really – I mean, I even talked about it on the uh, recap show on Sunday without you, Ian, where I was like, you know, this um, Big Ten schedule where it's like Michigan and Penn State have played six, seven games against nobodies. And so we're like really unable to really tell how good they are. And I was adamant about – or what I was happy about was the fact that, you know, this might be a really good thing that UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon are coming in because now uh, the Michigans and the Ohio States and the Penn States, they have to play, uh, you know, a good mix of those four teams every year. They're not going to just get like maybe one of them. They're going to get at least two, maybe even three of them a year. And so now instead of just, Oh, Ohio State, Penn State, that's it. They're going to have like four or five games that they actually have to compete in. And you know what? I will give the Big Ten a lot of credit next year and going forward because of that. And it is going to be a difference. It's not going to be the same as having those terrible teams that, you know, I listed in the the recap and I don't want to do it here again. But, you know, there, there are a lot of bad teams in the Big Ten that they feast on, that they get a lot of easy victories. And it's it's not really um, helpful in determining how good a team is. And I also noted how Michigan went into the playoffs the last two years and they looked very bad against the two teams they played. And it looks actually really bad that they lost that TCU team because that TCU team got blown out by Georgia. So like, Mm -hmm. and they, they should have been blown out by TCU. They were lucky to come back into that game. So I don't know. It's, I, Penn State, I think more highly of Ohio State in this game. It's in Columbus. I believe that Ohio State can win this game. I think they have a good enough defense to make a difference in uh, how this game uh, ends up. I think they can make some stops, make uh, a lair, um, you know, I don't know. I – I'd like to see him prove himself in this game, but I don't know if he's that good enough yet. And so, and McCord seems to be up to the task. He's gotten better over the last couple of games. And I know they had that, uh, they had their like uh, uh, Jack of all trade QB come in 
for some like gadget plays. So that's been helpful trying to like change up the flow of the offense. But McCord, you know, is pretty solid uh, control of the offense. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a stud, obviously, and he's going to make plays. He's going to get probably around 100 yards. It's just what he does every every game. And the rest of the the wide receiver core is really good. And running backs wise, Ohio State is I I think they can score more on this team than I think like the numbers show what is possible. Because um, like I said, I just don't think Penn State has really played anybody. So it's hard to really say that that number one defensive ranking is is uh, worthy of it. Um, so I'm going to go with Ohio State winning. I might say a low scoring game, but I still think. Penn, uh, Ohio State scores enough. I'm going to say like 27 to like 20. What do you got, Ian? I think in my determination, it's going to come down to if Penn State can maintain the time of possession, they will win the game. Can they sustain that and not give let the door open like force turn you know give up turnovers to Ohio State? That I don't think they can. So I'm I'm going to go with you. I think it's going to be close. But Ohio State pulls it out. I'm going to go with a 27 to 23 win for the Buckeyes. Nice. Okay. Uh, UCF, Oklahoma. It's in Norman, Oklahoma. Oklahoma coming off that win against uh, Texas. I I don't see UCF putting up a huge fight in this game. Oklahoma's defense has gotten better. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, obviously this will be a huge revenge factor for him going up against his old school. I think Oklahoma wins this one big. I'm going to say like 42 to like 17. What do you got? I think Oklahoma actually might have a couple of cobwebs after the bye week. Um, They might, you know – Coming off an emotional win against Texas in a come-from-behind fashion, um, I feel like Oklahoma maybe gets off to a slow start, but I just don't see UCF sustaining any type of lead going into the fourth quarter. So I'm going to go Sooners winning 35-19. to 19. Okay, uh, next one. Interesting choice here because this is the first time I've seen them ranked all year, but Air Force going up against Navy. Air Force ranked – 22nd in the AP poll. Um, I know you probably know more about them than I do. So I want to hear your opinion. Then I'll give you my prediction. Yeah. So the, you know, tried and true um, air force uh, part of the and Navy, the uh, commander in chief trophy. That's the kind of uh, round Robin they do with these guys. Um, yeah. Air force this year, the um, off to a fast start, definitely under the radar. Um, it's mostly been, you know, typically with these teams, it's been the rushing attack. And that's going to go to uh, Emmanuel uh, McHale or Mitchell, I think is the name. It's hard to pronounce. Um, but he has been, you know, the the kind of the bell cow uh, for this team in this attack. Um, he almost has a uh, 500 yards. So he has over eight touchdowns already. Um, but this is a typical game where it's just going to be like ground out, pound out, take the ball away, you know, keep it as long as possible. And it's going to be really tough for both of these defenses to really stop uh, both of these attacks, especially because of the quarterback the Air Force has, uh, Zach Lair, um, is mobile. Um, he doesn't, you know, obviously the passing thing is not going to be there, but he does uh, do a good job of, you know, the option attack of moving around and, you know, making plays himself. 
Um, I think with this one, I see Air Force again. They, you know, they've run buckwad on some of these teams, but this one, Navy, very even. Um, I'm going to go Falcons winning in a very close one. I'll go with a 24 to 17, 24 to 18 win for uh, Air Force. Uh, I mean, the only thing I know about these two teams is that uh, Navy played USF like three, four weeks ago, and USF kind of steamrolled them a little bit on offense. Um, they did make plays uh, when they were going up against USF's defense, but again, USF's defense is not so strong, so take that with a grain of salt. I don't know how good Air Force's defense is, so maybe Navy can move the ball there, like you said. Um, and I think that's probably going to be uh, a bit of a uh, back and forth, like you said, rushing game. So I'm going to say, I don't know, uh, low scoring 24-20 and maybe like a late score by Air Force uh, to put them over uh, to win that game. Okay, next one. Interesting game here because both of these teams only have one loss and they have like, They've had such a weird start to the season. Um, this is Tennessee, Alabama that I'm talking about, third week in October. And, you know, they both have one loss. They Alabama looked bad against USF in Tampa. They lost to Texas. They steamrolled Ole Miss a bit. They beat Mississippi State, and then they uh, beat Arkansas barely last week. Tennessee lost to Florida, uh, looked better in some other games, and then squeaked it out last week against AM. But I talked about it in the recap on Sunday how the Boo Birds were out for mm -hmm. Tennessee because they were not happy with what was going on. They were losing at that point. I believe it was the middle of the second, and it was like 10 to 7. And they just looked, I don't know, I, it was not good. They were not converting uh, first downs. They were not getting – they were not moving down the field. They were like uh, – Milton only had for the whole game like 100 yards passing. I think because of the hype that went into this year about Milton, a lot of people had this false belief that Tennessee's passing attack was going to be just as good, um, maybe a little under what they did last year but it's so much worse than what it was last year. They still can run the ball. There's like, you know, there's two guys, I think it's Samson and, and Wright, I believe they're the running backs. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they're still solid. They can they can definitely get yardage, and they, they're the reason they've been winning games. And their defense is good. Like, you know, that I will say more than anything, that's probably been the most surprising part of Tennessee this year is – how good the defense has played. And that has probably been the difference because if their defense hasn't been able to play as well as it has, they probably wouldn't be in most of these games. And they got blown out by Florida pretty much. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know. I. That being said, Alabama has been this team that I don't know if a lot of people can really pinpoint. Their defense is really good. Like, Alabama's defense is definitely it's 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 gotten back in that mold of the Nick Saban like ferocious D get a lot of sacks 
put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, um, force teams to make mistakes. Um, you know, they're getting a lot of turnovers. Uh, the offense, Milrow is inconsistent. He's not a very good passer. He's very athletic and very mobile and can, you know, very elusive when the play breaks down. But, um, you know, he hasn't been the most consistent in the passing attack. I think Alabama should win this game. It's in Tuscaloosa. There's no reason why they can't win this game. Tennessee has only won once in the last 20 years, like maybe less than that, but like once in the last like 15 years, but still they won last year in Knoxville. I think because this game is in Tuscaloosa, this gives more weight to Alabama for this game. And I think Alabama wins this game. I'm going to say they win like 31 to like 22. What do you got Ian? Yeah, both of these teams have been very, like, underwhelming of the expectations we had of them this year for varying different reasons. But me, again, doing my homework, being the history nerd, the last time Tennessee beat Alabama when they were the road team yeah, was in 2003 in Tuscaloosa. And the only time Tennessee has beaten Alabama when Alabama was ranked as the road team in the past – 30 years was 1995. And that was when Bama was still playing in Birmingham and Peyton oh, Manning was, was a Peyton Manning quarterback. Was first, first, like his first big game. Yeah. They always show was, that. They show highlights from that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. there's a lot of history wow. going against Tennessee here. The thing is, it's going to come down to this. Neither of these teams, especially the last couple of weeks have really looked how everybody thought they should look. Um, especially Bama, the offense has just been, you know, completely sold out and it can't complement the defense as much. With that being said, you know, the same could be said with Tennessee. This, you know, whatever's going on with Milton can't, you know, he is the engine to that offense. So if you shut him down, you shut down that whole offense. I think with this one, Bama, they have played offenses that are tougher and they have beaten and controlled offenses and offensive attacks better than Tennessee is. So I'm going to go Bama just goes a straight up, you know, chokes them out style game. I think they win. I'm going to go with a 27 to 14 win for the time. All right. Uh, moving on Washington state, Oregon, Washington state got smacked by Arizona last week. Pretty severely. Yeah. Um, I think this is a big rebound game for Oregon. Um, losing that game, it, and I know we didn't get to talk about the Oregon Washington game, but man, lived up to the hype, man. <laughs> it, well, it's you know, it, yeah, yes, it, but it's it's also you hate to see the loser, and I know we've talked yeah. about it before. You hate to see someone losing that game because it's like you, you the the teams are so good, they're so evenly matched, and you like you just want to see both of them win, but you know you uh, you can't see that. So, um, I think Oregon begins their comeback beats Washington state here pretty severely. I think their defense can keep Cam Ward in check. Um, even though he may be, uh, primed for a, a comeback game as well after last week's terrible performance, but I don't know. It's, it, it's in, uh, Eugene, um, Oregon gets a lot of mojo from that stadium. Um, their fans are pretty primed for those games. 
Um, I think Bo Nix, he's got to be up there in the top five Heisman list. I think so, even though the loss. Um, I still have a lot of love for him. And, um, you know, I I think Oregon can win this game. I think they're going to probably win, like, I'm going to guess, like, 37 to, like, 25. What do you got? Yeah, I think Oregon's just going to run over them. I don't see Washington State. They have had a very poor defense, and their offense is one-dimensional. It's Cam Ward. So, Oregon, you know, yeah, they couldn't, you know, keep it together, but Washington had so many weapons, plus Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. Washington State is Cam Ward, but not a whole lot else to compliment him. Yeah. Uh, their leading uh, running back only has over 150 yards in the season, so there's only so much they can do. So it's very going to be a very one-dimensional attack. I just see the Ducks running over them. I'm going to go with a 41-17 to 17 win for Oregon. Okay, uh, South Carolina, Missouri. I I mean, I feel bad for South Carolina, honestly, considering they've had, like, probably the most difficult schedule out of anyone in the country. They played North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Missouri. And I think between all those teams, there's three losses, which that is insane. I don't think anyone can have that good of four opponents to start the year uh, so far this year. That is remarkable. And I think there's even another game in there that I'm missing that they played. North Carolina. Oh, Tennessee. No, I said they played Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. So it's, they've played five teams with four losses. That is ridiculous. Like that is a ridiculous, like their, their win-loss opponent win-loss record is insane right now. And, um, it just sucks. Like it's like, hey man, you got to play these teams. What can you do? They're good all luck. very good. You know, you got to figure it out. And it's like, you know, they're they may not get to bowl eligibility. I don't know if that necessarily matters. This year's been kind of a um, a roller coaster for them. Uh, I know Shane Beamer broke his foot after that game uh, to Florida, and I don't know. I mean, that game. South Carolina probably should have won. It was yep. definitely Florida came back there and like had a lot of momentum there and we're like building, building to get those two scores and, you know, get the, those defensive stops to really uh, give them an opportunity. But um, I don't know. Uh, this Missouri team though is very good. And this is not a team that you've seen lately from them. Uh, their offense has a lot of stars, uh, Schrader, Burden, uh, you know, these guys can make a lot of plays. Um, you know, that wide receiver, Bur- is it Burden or how am I saying his name? Uh, it's uh, it, it's Burden. Yeah, Luther Burden. Yeah, he um, uh, he uh, he didn't even have that good of a game against Kentucky, and they still smoked him. Um, you know, Kentucky was up in that game 14-0, and it looked like they were going to, like, really take control – Missouri runs that fake punt and then boom, they just went on a run. I think they outscored them 38 to seven from that point on. So I don't know this Missouri team six and one right now, they have a real good chance. They only have that one loss to LSU. They have a real good chance to win nine games this year. 
they have Georgia, Tennessee left, so and Florida, so it'll be tough sledding the rest of the year. But um, I can see them winning this game just because South Carolina's been so down after all these losses. Like it gets demoralizing when you get to a point where it's like, how do you get up for it when you're just getting beat every game, even though you play so well like last week and you still take the loss. Um, I'm going to say Missouri probably wins like uh, 28 to 24. I think they score late and uh, 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 put them over the top and then probably get like a Spencer Rattler interception to end it. But what do you got? No, I'm, I, (laughs) my score was almost exactly the same. I just, you know, it's tough for South Carolina because all of their SEC East teams, they've lost Georgia, Tennessee, and now Florida. And now you got to play Missouri, who is now the up and coming team of the SEC East. And I just don't, as much talent South Carolina has, I just don't see it with the way things are going. I think they'll be close, but it might be another gut punch game. I think Missouri has enough to keep it away from them. So I'm going to go 28-21 Tigers. Nice. Okay. Um, This one I want to do quick because I don't really care for either of these teams. Minnesota, Iowa. Um, Minnesota has just been kind of whatever this year. Iowa still only has that one loss to Penn State. So they actually have a lot to play for, um, a lot to keep them motivated in this game. (sighs) I can't watch these games. They're very terrible. You know, that game last week was like, what was it? 15 to five or something. It was 15 to six or something like that. Something ridiculous. And it's like, Oh God, I don't know how you big 10 people watch this stuff. I really don't. I don't know what like enjoyment you get out of watching terrible football. I really don't know. And God bless you because someone has to watch it and it's not going to be me. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, um, I think Iowa probably wins this because their defense is really strong. They'll probably stop Minnesota because Minnesota hasn't been like a really like proficient offense. Um, I'll say Iowa probably wins like 17 to like 10. What do you got? Uh, This one, I'm actually going to go with the Gophers here. Uh, The upset. Yeah. I I, I think Minnesota pulls it out because of how anemic Iowa's offense has been. But countering that, Minnesota has had a more efficient offense than Iowa's had. And although the defense of Minnesota has averaged giving up more yards, I just don't see Iowa catching up to that. So I actually think Minnesota is going to get a couple like plays in to Mm -hmm. sneak in, but I I think the Gophers can pull it off. I'll go with a 20 to 10 win for Minnesota. Nice. Okay. Uh, This is an interesting game because it's Texas Houston. It's in Houston. Um, Texas coming off that loss to Oklahoma. Do they have a big rebound game? I think they do. You know, Houston had that miracle win against West Virginia uh, two weeks ago. And, um, or wait, was no, that was, when was that? Was that last Thursday? That was last week. Yeah, it was last week. I got, it feels like forever ago. Um, but uh, no, I think Texas wins this game because um, Houston's just been kind of like a, a mediocre team and they're not really uh, that great of a force. And I think Texas, as much as they lost to Oklahoma, I think Texas is really good. And I think they're, you know, they're going to get back off the snide. And I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a, a really good game. Um, you know, their offense can move the ball quite well. Um, they've made a lot of plays. 
They move the they move the ball down the field quite proficiently, and um, their defense is not terrible. It's definitely a decent defense. So I think they're going to be able to make stops against Houston, and they're going to be able to uh, move the ball. So I'm going to say like Texas wins like I don't know like 34 to like 18. What do you got? Yeah, I think you know Texas does have a bounce back game. Houston, especially with their defense, this is kind of just w- what Texas needs. Um, especially because let's be honest, it's probably going to be a lot of Longhorn fans to that stand, so it's not the most oh, yeah. intimidating environment. Um, it's not like they're playing back in the Astrodome uh, where Houston used to play. But yeah. I, I think you know Texas get you know bounces back. Jason just can't keep up right now. Um, and I'm going to go Longhorns. I'll go 38. Uh, 14. Okay. Ole Miss, Auburn. The only reason I have this on here is because, you know, obviously Ole Miss has a lot to play for, but because this is in the plains or on the plains or whatever they say for the, when they're talking about Auburn, um, I think, I think Auburn can put a scare in Ole Miss. I think it's going to be closer than like Lane Kiffin's going to want. You know, they they put a scare into Georgia and were very close. They really had Georgia on the ropes there. And if it weren't for Brock Bowers, Auburn might have won that game. Uh, but um, I'm going to say Ole Miss wins in a close one, like 27 to like 22. What do you got? Yeah, I think this one, um, again, another team coming off a of bye week. Um, and they need it because Ole Miss did not look good against Arkansas. Uh, the last time coming out, especially offensively, yeah. they, they need to be more efficient because that is how they're going to win games. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think Auburn's going to put a scare in Ole Miss, and I honestly think this is this is a typical trap game for oh, yeah. these teams. Hundred percent. So I think Ole Miss falls into it, but I think they have enough to get back out of it. Um, even if Auburn takes like a fourteen point lead, I just don't see they can sustain it enough with how proficient Ole Miss's offense is. It is going to come down to how well. Ole Miss, you know, does well with uh, Jackson Dart on offense, but I think they'll pull it out, and I'll go with a thirty-one to twenty-one win for the Rebels. Yeah, and uh, the key on Ole Miss is they have a lot of tough games because, like you said, it is a trap game because they've got Georgia coming up. Um, they've got LSU. No, they already played that. Um, who else do they have? There's another one. There's another big one. I know it's Georgia. That's for sure. They've got a Georgia game, Georgia matchup. That's going to definitely have all their attention going forward. So let's move on. Michigan, Michigan state, you know, with uh, Mel Tucker being fired, this Michigan state team has been pretty listless. They weren't very good either last year. Um, They've been kind of getting pushed around and this Michigan team is talented. And as much as I have been, uh, a, a bit of a dick about their schedule, they still will win this game relatively easy. I don't see a big fight out of Michigan State here. I think that Michigan should win relatively comfortable, even though it's in East Lansing. I'm going to say that Michigan probably wins like 35 to like 10. What do you got? Uh, same thing. I had yeah. Michigan winning this one 35 to 14. I just don't see the state keeping up with them. Yeah, it's, it's just it it's it's an uneven matched game, and it's a shame because sometimes this rivalry game is is really good, 
and this is not going to be one of them. So, okay, last three games, two of them are really good. Uh, Duke, Florida State. I want to hear your opinion first because you probably know mine, but I want to hear your opinion first here. Yeah, for Duke, they it's going to come down to how well they can control the other team's offense. It is paramount that they keep Florida State off the field as much as possible. And that is how they've won a lot of these games um, against Northwestern, against uh, NC State last week. If they keep the ball out of uh, the hands of Florida State, and, and speaking of that, you know, against Notre Dame, they do a very good job of being a very sticky team. Uh, the problem is, is that this is in Florida State's, you know, this is at Doe Campbell. And that can be a very tough place to play in. And Duke historically hasn't done too well, um, especially against Florida State in general. Uh, I forget the last time they even, like, put up a good fight <laughs> against Florida State. Um, but I know Florida State, you know, again, this could be another typical trap game. Um, but I think they're going to come ready to play. For this one, Duke's offense is good uh but I don't think it's as good uh, talent-wise compared to Florida State. So I think Florida State will pull out in this one. I think Duke hangs in there, but I just don't think they have enough in the tank. So I'm going to go Seminoles 30-17. to 17. When I saw Riley Leonard get hurt in that Notre Dame game at the end of the game when it was basically a futile effort to try to see if they could get back into that game, I was just like, man – they totally lost their chance at beating Florida State because, you know, that, that game was like two weeks ago. And so um, it's a shame because if he was healthy, if he was completely healthy, I would give Duke a way better chance to actually have uh, a shot at winning this game. But as of right now, without him 100%, it's going to be much more difficult. The guy that they have is their backup. Um, the guy that was there last week, I think he was like, what was it? Like two for like 10 or something like that. Passing wise, mm -hmm. he had like a touchdown in there, but like, it just was, it was putrid and it's going to be putrid if he's out there. So I hope just honestly for football's sake that we get a good matchup and hopefully Leonard is okay to play a high ankle sprain. Is always tough to come back from, you know, usually it's a several week um, recovery time. Who knows? The guy, uh, Mike El Elkness, El how do you say his name? The coach for Duke. Oh, uh, El yeah, Elko. Elko, sorry, Elko. So Elko, he said on his coach's show last night that he could go potentially, so – Again, cat and mouse, just like Whittingham plays with Cam Rising at Utah. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't play cat and mouse. Maybe he's being open and honest and telling you what to hear. I think – I don't think if if you're Duke, like, it does it matter, like, for, like, Florida State's preparation, like, if he's there or not? Like, they're going to prepare regardless that he's going to be there. That's what their goal is because if they prepare, if he's there, then like their prep without him there is basically as good or, you know, as basically sufficient enough 
to be able to counter whatever even that other guy is going to do. Because that other guy, he is athletic, but he's not a good passer. So, like, if they're just somewhat preparing for Leonard anyways, it doesn't matter. But I don't like Florida State's defense. I haven't liked them all year. I thought that they um, struggled against BC. They struggled against LSU. They got lucky against LSU that LSU didn't convert a lot of those long uh, possessions. And Clemson was the better team for most of, for almost all that game and should have won that game. So they've gotten lucky that they've played Syracuse and Vautech lately. So, you know, they, they, they're on, they're riding this six, uh, well longer because they had a win streak from last year, but you know, regardless, I think that Duke can keep the offense of the of Florida State in check a little bit. Not maybe like a ton, but maybe enough. And if Leonard is playing, then I can see them scoring a decent amount. But if he's not playing, I don't think they're going to be able to score very much at all. And it'll be a struggle. So it also depends on if they can get turnovers too, which, you know, Travis has not been turning the ball over that much. He only has one interception on the year. So um, I think Duke loses this game and I think Florida state wins. Like I'm going to say 31 to like 14. Okay. Clemson, Miami. What do you got? Yeah, <laughs> this one, I mean, for Miami, they've, they're still reeling after that Georgia tech loss because yeah. you, you saw that against UNC. And now you got to play Clemson, who is an established team. Honestly, I think these this team, this game is going to be very messy. I none of these teams have played pretty well at all. So I guess in that one, I'm going to go based on talent. I I think Clemson pulls it out close, and I'm going to go Tigers winning. I'll go 27 to 22. Yeah, I think Clemson pulls this one out. Their defense is strong, and but Miami's offense has been pretty proficient the last uh, couple weeks, even though they did lose that Tech game. And against North Carolina, they put up some points. Uh, it was a little too late, um, especially that garbage touchdown at the end. But I can see Miami putting up enough points to stay in the game, and Clemson maybe struggling a little bit on offense themselves. And I'm going to say probably Miami, uh, let's say Clemson wins like 24 to like 17. Okay, last game, Arizona State-Washington. I just wanted to put it up because Washington is now in the mix for the playoff. Penix Jr. has got the the Heisman, uh, you know, candidacy firmly in grasp. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? And I'll give you mine. Yeah, I mean, this one, again, it's going to come down to, like, just make sure you don't have a letdown game. This is a team that is, you know, really, you know, reeling and struggling. Arizona State has actually had it been very close with a lot of these games. They were within a few scores with Oklahoma State. Uh, they were fighting with SC, and they lost uh, both against Colorado and Cal by three points. Yeah. So you can't just sleep on them. No, um, I know. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I just don't think Washington will. And even if they do, I just don't think with the talent the Huskies have, they're really going to be down for long. So I'm going to go Washington winning, running away. I'll go, uh, let's do like 45-20. 
Yeah, I mean, Washington's offense is just too good. I mean, even like Oregon, a really good team, really couldn't stop them. And I don't see this Arizona State team stopping them. They they stopped Caleb Williams at times, but still ended up losing by, I believe, like two scores in that game. So I'm going to say Washington wins this one like 38 to like 14. Okay. Real quick before we go, uh, Ian, what are your Heisman uh, candidates right now? Uh, right now, um, not in order. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., um, Caleb Williams, and – oh, God, I, could, I don't have the list on me. Um, it, it, but it is kind of come – it's kind of down to those two guys, to be honest. Yeah, and, you know, dude, I saw a lot of people downplaying Caleb Williams after that loss, and I'm sorry, but he won the Heisman last year, and – for a player to have one bad game, I mean, Caleb lost two games last year and still won the Heisman. So why is it that, like, they're writing him off? I don't get it. I don't understand how you're going to be like, oh, he has no chance. Like, come on, man. He has Utah, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, four big games. You're not telling me that he's not going to get a chance to get and a Pac-12 championship game if he gets there? Like, you're, you're telling me they're not going to have a chance? to to improve on what he's done it's just a, it's ridiculous i i saw countless lists that didn't even have him in like the top 10 of quarterbacks going into week eight and i was just like what is going on where what bizarro world am i living in that one game the recency bias has really uh dictated what is going on with how we view this guy he's been talked about as the number one overall pick in this coming draft for the last like year and a half. And now all of a sudden he's persona non grata. Come on, give me a break. Okay. So I got definitely Penix Jr. Number one, probably Caleb two. I'm going to say um, Dylan Gabriel is getting up there and like, you can't deny him anymore. Yeah. I really like Quinn Ewers too. And Jaden Daniels as well. You have to really acknowledge Jaden Daniels. You really can't deny his performance. Um, but yeah, those are the teams. Uh, who are your four playoff teams, real quick, before we go? Yeah, right now, um, not much of a shakeup. I still have Georgia, Ohio State, um, Florida State at three. I put Washington at four and Michigan at five right now. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma at six. Yeah, I've got, I've got probably Washington number two. I'll say, I'll have to say Georgia number one as of right now. But with that injury to Brock Bowers, it's going to definitely be yeah. a huge uh, um, hill to overcome. I'm not going to say Florida State in the top four. I'm going to say Washington, Georgia, probably Oklahoma because of that huge victory over Texas. And four, four, I'll probably say Oregon, just because honestly, if they can win out, I like that team a lot even though they lost to Washington. I think they lost so closely that they deserve to be up there. And then five and six, I'll say probably five Michigan and then six uh, Ohio State. Okay, that's the show, haterradio.com. I might have an article about the South Carolina game, just talking about some of the things that needed to happen for Florida to really overcome certain things that they've – been kept doing all year and then finally 
we're not doing in this game. Um, but haterradio.com for those articles. Ian, I'm going to have you do a season preview or God game preview of the Florida Georgia game next week. Yep. Which should be set up really nicely that Florida is five and two coming into that game. Um, our socials, everything except for Facebook and YouTube is hater underscore radio. And then the uh, for Facebook, it is hater radio CFB. And for YouTube, it is at hater radio. Um, you can also reach us at haterradio1 at gmail.com. Ian, what are your socials before we go? Yes, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. It is at GGatorG. So follow us, like, subscribe, get the algorithm going, get us involved as much as you can, comment on anything we do, especially on Twitter. I like to comment and, you know, reply and quote tweet and everything. So like, you know, I love interacting there. Um, please reach out to us anyway. Help us out with the algorithm too. And, and, and the podcast is also, this is as a podcast on all the formats as well. Um, so look for that Spotify, all the, all the, all the ways you can find it there, but that's the show. Enjoy these games. There's a lot of good ones. Like I said, I'm going to USC Utah this weekend. So I'm really excited. So, um, it'll be a blast. Have fun. We'll see you on Sunday. Take care.